Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by PlanScope. PlanScope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using PlanScope to do my estimates and manage my projects and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 90 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Ash Dryden. Hi there. Reuven Lerner. Hey, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest. That's Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. How are you guys doing? So to uh, quickly introduce Pat, you're the, you're the author of Letting Go, which is a fairly popular book from what I understand, and your uh, Smart Passive Income podcast is very, very popular. Yeah, they're do- they're both doing pretty well, and um, you know the book got to number one in Amazon for entrepreneurship, and the podcast and the blog I have are uh, both taken off, and and I'm just very blessed to be here, and and again, thank you for having me on the show today. Yeah, you also talk about on your show your you talk about your your family. I think you have two kids. Yeah, two kids. My son is almost four. He's a Christmas Eve baby, actually, so he'll be four in just a few weeks here. And my daughter is 15 months, and it's the uh, best thing in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm completely just blessed to be able to work from home and be here to witness all of their first. I mean, they are the most important thing to me. Awesome. So I have to admit, the first time I heard of you, you did a video for Internet Business, Business Mastery. Oh, a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And then I didn't hear about you for a while, and then people were talking about your podcast, and I went and listened to it. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. A lot of people have seen that video and have said the exact same thing. And that that was when uh, that was right after I built a business in the architecture industry, helping people pass an exam that they take, and um, that did incredibly well. Obviously, I had the help from the Internet Business Mastery folk over there, and they wanted to have me on and you know share about. My experience in, in their you know paid program and and just the success I've had and and since then I've just you know everything has been going really well and and you know I, I definitely contribute a lot of my success to those guys over there. Awesome. So I, I wanted to ask, what do you think was the biggest thing that really helped you get to the the point where you were making enough money to kind of quit your job and go out and do this on your own? Well, I was actually laid off from my position in uh, June of 2008. And at that point, I didn't really have a, a plan B. You know, I had just proposed to my wife. Everything was going perfect. Actually, just a couple months prior to that, I was promoted. So obviously, this was not expected at all. And for a couple, you know, for a couple of weeks, I was just really down in the dumps because I had spent my whole life leading up to that point thinking I had done everything right, you know, got good grades, went to a good college, got my dream job in an architecture firm in the Bay Area right after that. And to have it all taken away just like that was really tough for me. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that when I actually had my position, I had uh, started this blog, actually, a blog that was basically there to help me and a couple of my coworkers pass this exam, the one that I that I later turned in, into a business. And um, I had passed that exam, you know, a few months before I was laid off. And I just let the site sit there. I had no really purpose for it anymore. 
I did spend about a year putting content into it so that I could study from it when I was traveling and just it made it a lot easier for me to organize that stuff. But like I said, after I passed, I just let the site sit there. And when I discovered Internet Business Mastery through their podcast and got into their program and understood that, you know, if I had something of value to share, I could share it through a blog or a podcast to potentially, um, you know, build an audience and then get paid for, you know, delivering value in return. Um, I was like, hey, I have this website that I, that I created for myself and a couple coworkers. Maybe I could turn it into a business. And the cr- incredible part was I put an analytical tool on the site just to get ready for traffic that was potentially going to come to the site. And the next day I saw, just it blew me away. I saw the graphs. They were like, 6,000 people coming to the site every single day already. And I had no idea this was happening. Later, I found out it was because I had just written so much stuff and stuff that Google liked and put at the top of the search engines and people shared it and stuff. And so to make a long story short, um, I had this audience there. I, I opened up the comments. I started to answer people's questions. People viewed me as an expert, even though I wasn't really an expert. I, I was just someone who took this exam myself and knew how to answer a lot of people's questions. But when I sold a study guide and practice exams on the site in October of 2008, uh, you know, I had uh, that, that, which happened to be the exact same uh, month that I was laid off. You know, I made an incredible amount of money on the site. And, and the best part about it was not just the money that was made, but the, the, the thank yous and the notes that came afterwards, you know, from people who were like, Pat, you, you saved me so much time. Um, I was able to pass the test on the first try and those sorts of things. And that's when I started smartpassiveincome.com to sort of show people, you know, what I had done because it was a whole new world that was brand new to me. I mean, I, I did know about internet marketing and online business. And to me, it was just a very scammy sort of, you know, car salesman like industry. And, and here I was just, you know, in it and doing it what I felt like was, was a way that, I had never seen before the, doing it quote the, the right way where I was providing value and getting paid in return f- first. And, 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 and so I created the smart passive income blog to sort of share those things. And also now what I do is I build businesses just like that live on the site and I show people what I do right, what I do wrong. I do a lot of things wrong. Um, but I'm not afraid to share that in hopes that other people will see and sort of make the right decisions based on what I do right and what I do wrong and learn from my mistakes. I really like that you uh, you include the doing things wrong part. I think that a lot of people view anybody who does anything for a living really as always being, like you said, an expert, always on their game and, you know, never making any catastrophic mistakes. And it's it's kind of great to see that other people are human and to see that, you know, we could achieve that too because other people make the same mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I, I could speak for five hours about all the mistakes I've made in business, and I still continue to make mistakes as long as I learn from my mistakes. And as I'm learning, I, I share those things that I learn along the way, which is what most of my blog posts uh, are about. You know, I do a lot of things right, and I'll talk about that too. And I, you know, create reports and case studies and show really down into the deep details about everything. But yeah, I mean, I think really a lot of people have mentioned that too. You know, they're just like, wow, you're not afraid to share what you do wrong. And I'm like, yeah, because that will be really helpful for people, I think. And, and it, it sort of put in me, it sort of put me in this position as the honest and authentic guy in the internet marketing space, which wasn't the intention at first. It's just kind of the person I am and it's reflected on my website, but I'm sort of here in this leadership role now. And I, and I do know that a lot of people look up to me and, and, and I want to show people that there is a right way to do, you know, internet marketing where you don't have to pretend you're someone you're not. You can just be yourself and be honest with people because that's what people connect with. People today like to do business with other people. You know, it's not about business to business or business to customer anymore. It's about people to people. And the more you can become a real person online, and that means being a little bit vulnerable, sharing a little bit about your personal life, and sharing your mistakes, um, people are going to connect with you more and trust you more. So, Pat, when you say passive income, 
Are you referring to uh, things like ebook and video sales? Are you referring to advertising? Are you referring to other things, combinations of these? What would you define as passive income? Because I think we can understand what active income would be. Sure, sure. I mean, passive income, I mean, there's obviously hundreds of different definitions of it. I mean, there's like the investor definition, there's the real estate definition. I mean, my definition of it is building online businesses that take advantage of systems of automation that allow transactions, cash flow, and even growth to happen without requiring a real-time presence. So in other words, you know, we're not trading our time for money. We, uh, internet entrepreneurs, instead invest time up front, creating valuable products and experiences. You know, we work hard, hard now to continually reap benefits later. For example, with my site that teaches people how to pass this lead exam, uh, which is that exam I was talking about, you can find that at greenexamacademy.com and you'll see that you can purchase ebooks, you can purchase um, study guides and practice exams and things like that. And what happens is people come to the site, they find that those might be useful, they purchase them and they automatically get delivered those things electronically via email. They click a link and then they are, they have access to those products or they sign in and then they get access to a member's area. And during the whole transaction, I don't have to be actively involved. And so that, that's the beauty of doing business online is your store, if you set up these systems of automation, your store can be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, providing information and providing value to the world and getting paid back in return. Now, I will say that it doesn't mean that you can set up something and forever and ever it will continue to pay you back. I mean, I still have to upkeep those sites and, you know, in the beginning it's going to take more investing your time than you will see returns. And that's the hard part. That's what a lot of people struggle with is, you know, we're so used to working X hours and getting paid for those X hours. But now you're putting a lot of time up front, investing that time and then getting paid back in return later. Uh, and, and that's, that's the hard part and, and, and the struggle for a lot of people. But it, it, it's a beautiful thing because, for example, Green Exam Academy now, it's been up for five years. I put maybe one or two hours of work into it every month. One or two hours of work every month and it continually provides between four and $8,000 a month at this point. For a while, when this industry was big and just taken off, it was making between twenty dollars and $30,000 a month, again, with just a couple hours of work each month. Wow. But you're not then talking about, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying, but when you're talking about passive income, then you're not talking, it sounds, like just putting up sites that you hope will attract enough people that they'll then click on ads from AdSense and you'll make money from that. Or that, is that, that also that, included in your definition? That is included as well. That is one type of the several types of online businesses you could create. I have a site that I built publicly on the Smart Passive Income blog. You can find that at securityguardtraininghq.com. That was a site that I built from scratch showing people how I chose that niche. It was very based, it is very much based, you know, almost on, it was a very scientific approach to building that site because I chose security guard training because I saw in Google, Google gives you reports of how many people are searching for different terms every month. So I found that a lot of people were searching for the term security guard training and that that was a relatively low comp uh, competition web uh, keyword, meaning the websites that were ranking on the first page of Google weren't very good. And so it, I saw an opportunity there. And so I built a site. I put content into it. I, uh, and in, in, in 73 days, actually, this was the quickest that I've been able to make money online. That is not usually how it works. Typically, it could take, you know, several months or years. But this this one, you know, it was a good niche to get into. Uh, in 73 days, that site got to number one in Google, and it makes money, and it has made money for the last three years. 
with AdSense. So that's just one example. You know, I have another uh, business I, sh- I share called createaclickablemap.com. And that actually was a business that cr- was created out of my experiment in the security guard training industry because I found out through my research that every state in the U.S. has a different set of requirements to become a security guard. So I thought it would be nice and very helpful and valuable to the audience there if there was like a, a map of the U.S. that they could click on their state and then it would take them to the article about how to become a security guard in that particular state that they lived in. And so what I did was I paid a developer on odesk.com to create this map for me. And uh, he did it for like 500 bucks or 300 bucks, I think. And, it, you know, relatively cheap, but it, it worked. People could click on the state that they lived in and it would go to the article. And when I shared that on Smart Passive Income, they were like, wow, how did you create that map? I would like one on my site too. And so I said, oh, we'll go to Odesk. Here's the guy. And I, I realized that every time I was sending people to Odesk, I was making them pay 300 bucks to this guy to get this map. And I was like, there's got to be a better, easier, more automated way to do this. So I created clickable or create a clickable map.com. I paid another developer a couple thousand dollars to create a tool that people can insert their links for any state and press a button and it generates a link or uh, excuse me, a script that they can put on their website to show a map just like the one I had. And it does it automatically um, and really quickly without having to go through any other developer. And that site now is generating between $600 to $1,000 a month now because you can get a map for, of the U.S. for free. But if you'd like to save your information on my server in order to come back and edit that map later, you pay a one-time fee for 10 bucks. And all the other maps that we have, um, we're currently adding more, but there's about a dozen um, those cost uh, $10 as well. So that's generating an income as well. And that's completely automated. The only thing we're doing is just adding more maps, meaning more opportunities, more products to get paid more down the road. So it sounds like there is a bunch of upfront work, though, to build well, totally. sites, to, to get the traffic, you know, things like that. What are the most important things that you do in order to uh, build the traffic to uh, a website like that? Yeah, I mean, the, there's this myth of the overnight success, right? I mean, we hear about it all the time. Those are the stories that make the headlines. Angry Birds overnight making millions of dollars. But what people don't realize is that Angry Birds was the 60th game that Rovio created. They went through six or 59 other games before they finally hit it big with Angry Birds. Um, wow. You know, it, it, it takes so much work, and nobody nobody sees that part of it. But anyway, yes, it does take a lot of upfront work. Um, now, it depends on what type of business you're creating, but one of the most popular ways is to start a blog first. And I know you had Leslie Samuel on previously. He's a great resource for that, how to get a blog up correctly, because a blog is a great platform for you to be able to provide information for free to build that audience. And it's a, the blog itself won't make you money unless you potentially sell it in the future, but a blog is a great platform to launch products and provide services and tools and things like that that can then, you know, make you money in the future, you know, by providing and serving that audience. My security guard training site was, you know, sort of a different approach than that of a blog. A blog, you know, could take up to years to, to, to get to the point of where you would have that audience where you could then sell something to. Um, and there's also the opportunity to do affiliate marketing as well, which I do a lot of. And what that is, is being able to earn a commission by selling other people's products. Now, the method for doing that um, is is fairly easy. You find a product that has an affiliate program. Amazon has an affiliate program. You can actually sell any product on Amazon by getting a special link, and you get you know six percent of that uh, of the sales price in your account. There's other products out there, and the, the the commissions range obviously, but but the point is you can provide uh, other people's products and earn a commission from it. Now, the technology and the and 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 the the way it works is easy, but 
doing well with it is hard because you want to be able to provide products that are actually going to help that audience that you build. And that's why affiliate marketing has such a negative connotation these days is because a lot of people abuse the power of it or the, or the idea behind it. And they just find first a product that they know is going to make a lot of money. And then they share that product with their audience without even really understanding what that product is or what it does. Or maybe they understand a little bit, but they don't really, you know, they're in it for the wrong reasons. You know, if you start with your audience really understanding what their pains are and what their wants are, then you can provide products and services and tools for them. Sometimes those tools, products and services are things that you can create on your own. And sometimes they're things that you cannot create on your own. For example, on smartpassiveincome.com, I talk about building websites and creating businesses online. Well, part of that process is to uh, get a domain and a hosting account to set up your website. Well, I can't possibly, well, I guess I could maybe, but you know, I don't want to set up or build my own hosting company. And there are a lot of hosts and, and, and companies out there that will do that for you, obviously, and do it really well. Um, so I share a resource that I have to help people go through, and I earn a commission every time someone goes through that process. And the cool part about it, if you approach it from the relationship first, that you want to provide value first, then you're actually going to be thanked for those recommendations instead of just people thinking that you're just trying to extract money out of them. The money and your earnings are a byproduct of how helpful you can serve your audience. Now, with securityguardtraininghq.com, that was sort of a more scientific, you know, mathematical approach to, to building a website. And that was done based off of, um, you know, trying to rank really high in Google. Because when people are searching for things in Google, they're looking for information. A lot of times they're looking to click on ads or buy things or, or, or find information to help them achieve whatever it is they're looking for. And so my goal with that site was to rank number one in Google. And that was done almost in the same way, by providing a lot of value and, and, and writing content and, and making sure that the specific keywords that I knew they were typing into Google were put into those articles and in the metadata and all that stuff behind it too. Um, so that's a different approach. But really, you know, the major underlying theme here, um, if you really want to succeed, you need to find a niche, meaning you have to understand a particular market and exactly what their pains and their problems and their wants and needs are. And even get to getting to a point, and I encourage people to do this, where you actually sit down and have conversations with people in that target audience or talk to them on Skype or get on the phone so you can get deep into really what their pains are. Because a lot of times when you send emails and you get these responses, you know, they're surface level responses. But in order to understand really truly what would benefit or what would be able to help these people, you want to talk to them Ask them why, why, well, how do you feel, why do you feel that way or what would actually help you or what are the things you do daily that just you, you hate doing? Well, then you might be able to provide a solution for that. And then really going into, uh, you know, doing that and, and choosing the right platform for that. Blogging is one of them. And a lot of people like the people over at Internet Business Mastery, they started their platform on a podcast. A lot of people today are starting their platforms on YouTube, but it's really important to have that blog that will become your home. That's the thing that you can control. And, you know, whether you have a, a, a podcast first or a YouTube channel is your home, um, you know, you want to bring people back to your blog because that's where you can collect email addresses and better serve your audience. That's where you can, you know, provide products and, and any links to have to other articles. I mean, that's, that's your site that's under control. I mean, YouTube could potentially get bought out or die out or whatever tomorrow. I mean, we've seen it happen with MySpace. Uh, podcasting, the technology could change and it's not actually something you control. But if you have your blog, you have your email list, I mean, really nothing can stop you from being able to provide your audience and then getting paid in return. So I have a question kind of stepping back a minute. Um, you were talking about the number of games it took Rovio to kind of come out with a winner in Angry Birds. How do you not give up during that time? Like how, how, how many failures like do you are you eventually like, you know, maybe this isn't working and <laughs> I should try something else? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, there there comes to a point where you have to decide whether or not whatever it is you're working on, if it doesn't succeed, that you need to move on to something else. And I think part of that is understanding that, you, you know, failing is a part of the process. You ask any entrepreneur, they will have failed several, several times. And it's just some, that's part of the learning process. Um, But you have to understand that you need to learn from your failures and move forward. Now, Rovio is a big company. And so, you know, they had a lot of investor capital and things like that to keep them moving forward and keep trying. And if you have a vision and and you know you're going to help people eventually, I I can't say how long it will take because it differs. But, you know, if you know you can help someone and have a vision, you, you need to just keep going. Now, Obviously, part of it is a lot of people give up because they are either too distracted or, or they try things and then they try something else without putting 100% effort behind that first thing. And, and, and that's a big reason why a lot of people fail is because they don't give whatever it is they're working on a chance to get to that point. And it's really unfortunate because a lot of people quit or give up right before that inflection point when something amazing can happen. And there's a lot of things you could do, obviously, to um, increase your chances of, of, of succeeding. You know, the market researching and before you even create anything is really important. Um, I, I highly recommend a book called The Lean Startup by Eric Reese. And that's about the startup world, but that's really with anything. If you're trying to provide value for anybody in any sort of medium, you need to understand and work with those people who are in your audience to create something. And I, I really, really love that approach. Also, making sure you have support around you to keep going and people who are also going to be honest with you about what you're doing. Um, that's why I am actually in three different mastermind groups. These are groups that meet weekly. Each of them meet weekly and one person is in the hot seat every time and that person who is in the hot seat calls on everybody else for an opinion or to help or to just share something that they need feedback on. And we are all completely honest about it because we know we want to help that person knowing that when we are in the hot seat, they're going to be completely honest and upfront and, and willing to help us too. That was one of the big concepts I learned from Internet Business Mastery. And it was actually a mastermind group that I went to where I discovered that I could provide service for my audience at Green Exam Academy by writing an ebook. And that's where I learned about ebooks and what that could do and setting up the whole automation process and things like that. I mean, I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for the other people around me. And that's another thing that if you ask any successful entrepreneur and they're honest with you, they will say that you know, I couldn't have done this alone. You'll find some people that will say, yeah, it was all me, but really there's other people involved. You can't do this alone. So it's really important to have that support system, whether it's your friends or mastermind group. Um, and as far as mastermind groups are concerned, I mean, you can, you know, all of mine actually meet virtually. So these are people from all around the world and all around the country that meet at the specific time each month. I mean, or each week. So, uh, you know, you, you can do ones in person too, if you have people in your local area to meet with too. But I, I can't say enough how important the mastermind group concept um, I think it was chapter 10 in, in Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich you know the power of the mastermind concept um, it's really really important so first first of all just echo you there that I recently joined a mastermind group and I have been loving it and I really feel like I've been learning a ton just in the month or so since I joined it um, so I completely agree with what you're saying there I had a question about your business model and whether this is something that you encourage other people to do. It's clear to me, I mean, based on what you described and from looking at your website, you have all these different businesses, all these different sources of passive income. Do you encourage people to diversify, as it were, their portfolio of passive income sources so that they're not just working on one thing? Or is that something that just comes over time that, like many entrepreneurs, you want to try one thing and then another thing and, and build it out? Like, basically, do you encourage people, do, do you think it's a smart idea to have multiple businesses? 
I think it's a smart idea to diversify, and it's also a smart idea to focus on one thing at a time. So, you know, this is a long-term game here, and you want to create things one at a time, and you want to give those things that you're working on a chance to, you know, be something worthy of your passive income portfolio. Now, whether you want to, you know, it's tough, and you have to make smart decisions, and this is where your mastermind group comes into play because they're going to help you do this. But if you have a business and it's doing really well, you can better provide for that particular audience you have there um, and 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 create more products and I've done that before on Green Exam Academy I started with an ebook then I had an audiobook and then I added practice exams and that made complete sense and I think that's when I knew that I had done everything I could to serve that audience um, and and then I moved on and but there are uh, opportunities especially when you're creating system, uh, systems of automation where something might be working for you and then you find another opportunity and you can you know either sort of carbon copy what you did in one space and do it for someone else but i think probably the smartest thing to do at first is if you have an audience um you know they say in marketing that your best customer is your existing customer because they are someone who trusts you, who, who's bought from you before, and if you can even better provide for them, they're going to be more likely to buy from you if they like that first thing they got. But beyond that, you could potentially create sort of, uh, you know, vertical or you know, slightly horizontal um, businesses from your initial one. For example. You know, I could have done this and I didn't do this because I started Smart Passive Income instead. But if I did greenexamacademy.com and served those people passing the lead exam, I could have created something to help people pass the architectural license exam. And so that was, you know, they're slightly related. They're not exactly the same thing. They're different paths from where you go when you enter the site to the transformation you make after you use the content on the site. But they are related. They could potentially cross promote each other too and, and potentially be the same type of customer. So, you know, it, it will take some, you know, massaging and understanding and, 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 and really it's hard to plan all this up front. You really want to just focus on one thing and one audience and serving them. And you might find that that's all you want, all where you need to be. Now, I feel that I'm sort of in this particular, I guess you could say, uh, position where, you know, I, I have you know, come into this leadership role in the online business space, which, which I'm really fortunate to, to be a part of, you know, almost unintentionally gotten into the space as a sort of authentic and, and um, honest guy. But but I also feel like I'm sort of the crash test dummy. Like I, I'm so fortunate to have, you know, a lot of this, this good money coming in and, and an audience that sort of, you know, loves, uh, you know, the, the experiments I do and the case studies that I feel like I have to more so than other people, more so than than I would recommend to other people, you know, try new things um, because I, I, you know, that's my way of giving back. You know, potentially putting myself on the line or, or money on the line to experiment with something to see if it's something actually worth considering for other people. That's really cool. How do you decide which experiments are worth it? Well, it's tough. I mean, you know, I have a shoebox full of ideas that I want to do. Uh, a lot of times, uh, it's it's what my audience seems to be most interested in. Um, you know, what they're asking most about. And at the time when I created the security guard training um, experiment, you know, that was something that a lot of people were like, "Yes, you got to do this." And and so I'm actually doing it again right now. I'm I'm right in the middle of of my second sort of niche site case study, and I had built a website to help serve those who are starting or who already have a food truck. That's a big sort of hot industry now, and and there was there were no resources out there to help people who get started or or help people who are in that industry. Um, and and you know, just knowing the food trucks that are here in San Diego with me, which I frequent every week, um, they're still pretty behind when it comes to marketing and, and, and things like that. I mean, they're really old school with things. Yes, they're using iPads to collect credit card, uh, you know, to, to, to pay for things, but um, there's still a lot of things they could do. And that, that's something I felt like I could do to serve this community here was to create uh, what, what is now foodtrucker.com, foodtruckr.com. 
so that's another sort of experiment. And, and again, it's just, you know, you want to start with what you're most interested in, but also you don't have to be completely passionate about that topic. I'm not passionate about security guard training. It just, it just so happens that my mom is a security guard, but that had really nothing to do with this. It's just more, I found the opportunity to serve a particular audience and they just so happened to be all security guards. And that was again done through market research through using Google uh, keyword planner and, and, and things like that to see how often people were searching for terms and doing a little bit more research on Google to see, you know, what sites were out there already providing information for this audience and noticing that you know, there wasn't really anything good out there. So, so that's one place where you could start. But obviously I think I would start if you, if you're starting from scratch, you want to think to yourself, okay, well, what do people come to you? most for like you you might have you know a number of friends who come to you for a particular type of advice maybe you you might be an expert at you know grilling i don't know and 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 everyone comes to you and your barbecues because they love just what you do for grilling so that might be something you could start with and there's a lot of successful recipe sites and of course you also want to approach it like okay if you're going to start something and you find that there are other people doing those things already, um, that scares a lot of people off. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to get into this space because there's already that person doing it and they're doing it really well. Like, why would anyone want to want this new person coming in? Why would anyone follow me? Well, A, nobody's like you. Some people are going to connect with you because you're you and not that other person. But B, you know, knowing that there are people out there in that sort of space or niche or market already is validation that your idea is a good one. That you know, there is a market out there to potentially serve um, using your skills or skills that you are going to acquire along the way. It also gives you sort of an edge because there are these players in that industry or that market already. You can see what's missing. You can hear or listen to the people who are, you know, of those people's or your competitors' audience. And, you know, you can see well, what seems to be missing and bring that new you know, thing to the table in that particular market. I mean, positioning is extremely important. One good example of this is, in the internet marketing space or the online business space, you know, there's a ton of people now doing podcasts with interviews with entrepreneurs like like this one. And, and, and they're great. And they all have each their own sort of spin. Now, one guy who's taken off really well recently is a guy named John Lee Dumas. He just started his podcast last month or no, excuse me, last year in October. And now he has over 400,000 downloads every uh, every month. And he's making, you know, five sometimes six figures a month now through sponsorships and things like that. And he's done really well. But he had a specific position, an angle in that market. He wasn't the first one to interview entrepreneurs, not, a, not at all. But he noticed that there was a hole missing and that was a daily entrepreneur show. So that's what he did. He did. And I still think he's crazy because that's, it, you know, producing a podcast episode takes quite a long time. But he's, he's created the system and, and, and has a team in place for, that allows him to do that. And he was able to fill in that gap and be the one that is the daily entrepreneur show um, that's at entrepreneuronfire.com. So positioning and, and finding your sort of unique advantage in that market that you're going to enter is really, really important or else you're just going to get lost in the crowd. So I, I have a kind of a scenario I want to put out there for you and uh, just see what you uh, come up with on the fly. Um, sure. I have this friend, let's call him Reuven. And he's got, he's got an idea that maybe he wants to teach a course. Okay. On, on programming. Cause he's, he's good at that. He's good at teaching people. How would you put things together so that you could, uh, market that class to people who would be interesting or interested in, uh, in something like that? You know, maybe just a two or three day course or maybe even a few weeks long, depending on how he wants to, to structure it. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would first, uh, see who your target audience is and maybe where they, 
all are and see what already other companies out there are sort of providing a service for them or tools or, or, or courses for them. So you can make sure that when you come into it, you have your own unique certain position into it. Um, now, another thing you might want to explore is actually Udemy.com. Specifically for that niche you chose, you know, you know, uh, coding courses types of things, people are doing extremely well on Udemy.com, U-D-E-M-Y. And that is an education platform that's really cool because all you have to do is provide the videos and the content Everything is already set up for you from the platform where, you know, they already have traffic, they already have users, they already have the payment processing systems and, and, and those things in place. And of course, there's a little bit of a fee to use their service, but that takes the whole creating every, you know, everything else on top of your course, you know, just gets rid of that. And that is actually a place that a lot of people are using to validate their particular concepts. They might be creating, you know, uh, I mean, you can create a free course, you can create a paid course if you want. A lot of people put you know, sort of a, a skeleton level or, you know, beginner's basic level course on something there to see if their idea is something that they might want to spend more time doing. So validating your, your thing is really good too. Now, one thing I would actually recommend that a lot of people are doing is if you want to create a course specifically, maybe you don't have an audience, audience yet, you can promote that course on Facebook using ads. And, you know, it's going to take a little bit of money, but you would want to generate ads to get people into this course, or perhaps it's a webinar that you that you set up, you a two-hour webinar, value value packed, and and you provide as as much information as you can. And at the end of the webinar, if you have a webinar, you can bring people into a course that you're going to do. Maybe it's a four-week um, course where people you know meet with you every week and in, in a webinar type setting, and you be able to teach them something, take that take what they learn, and then apply it, and then come back the next week. And maybe there's a Facebook group that goes along with it to help them you know all communicate with each other. Maybe you set up your own forum or whatever. But the cool thing about this is, now you might be wondering, well, how, what, how would you sell them a course if you don't have one? Well, you actually are creating the course with them. So you develop the content and the material as you're going along. And what that does is allows you to be able to provide for those people you get on. Again, you, you typically paid for these people, or maybe you've been able to tap into an audience in another blog that already has an audience that you're targeting. Um, but you'd be able to create the content as you go along, very lean startup model-like, where you would actually tap into your audience as you're going along to be able to create you know, your course along the way. And when you get to the end, what you have is this beautiful packaged course, people who have used it, people who are able to leave you testimonials that you can then sell on a place like Udemy or on your own site and you can drive more traffic to it. Or you can you know, have affiliates come on and, and, and sell your course for you on their site to their audiences as well. Very interesting. That is very interesting. You did talk a lot about upfront work when you're building these uh, kind of websites. Do you need to do that same kind of thing with a course like this? Um, well, I mean, it, it, it would be more work upfront each week as you're developing course material, but you have to be careful not to go too far because, you know, you want to hear from the feedback from the people in your course so that you can create stuff. So, you know, the work up front is the actual first course that you do with these students that you have. Um, and you might be able to promote it at a lower price saying, you know, this is the beta version or whatever, um, and then be able to sell it at a more expensive price later. Um, but again, the benefit is having those students in there. So the upfront work would be setting up the process of collecting those people's information to then be, a, you know, the webinars and, and registration and things like that, which isn't d- too difficult. And then creating the coursework as you go. So just like a teacher would, you know, in, in, in only four weeks, you may, maybe you spend a week or two creating the course material for the first session. You all go and, and watch that and, and, and do whatever actions that, that you want to require these people to do in your lesson. And then, you know, you could talk with them during the week and then, you know, as that second course is coming up, um, you can create uh, another 
homework sheet or a plan or, or things along the way. So it's not, you know, it's not, I mean, I, I would actually prefer going the, st- the lean startup model if that's, you know, the path you want to take. And it's not going to take too much work up front, but of course it is going to take work up front. But that work you do to put that course together and complete that course with those initial students, that's your work up front for that product that you have and that you can now sell. Awesome. So one other question I have, have you done much with membership sites? I know that Internet Business Mastery kind of pushes people that direction. Yeah, I mean, the membership business site model is probably the holy grail of, uh, you know, online business, um, you know, sort of models because, I mean, membership sites or sort of software that people have to pay to continue to use. It's it's the whole idea of the this recurring payment. Um, and, and the beauty of that is, you know, if, if let's say you get 100 members at a very low price, at like 100 bucks, you're making $1,000 that first month, you get 100 members in there for 10 bucks each. Now, the next month, you get another 100 members. Now you have 200 members paying 100 bucks a month, uh, or excuse me, $10 a month. So you're making $2,000 a month. And then the more people you can put in that membership course, the more money you're going to make each month recurring. Now, of course, there's, there's the idea of retention and making sure people stay in as long as possible and also being able to qualify for a, a, a recurring payment, meaning it's something that you're continually providing value for. If you just have a product and you're going to charge monthly, I mean, why would people pay monthly if they get everything up front? You want to continue to provide them information. You want to continue to provide them access to certain things. And for membership sites like Internet Business Mastery, I mean, they are continually adding content every month. But in addition to that, it also gives you access to the forums and a, and a community of like-minded people, which I think is a, a good value add and a good reason to continue to pay uh, each month as well. But for me, I um, just came out with my first membership site and it's um, it's closed right now. I'm actually in the, quote, lean startup phase with this. I launched it on July 1st. It was only open for three days. There's about 400 members in there. And I'm working closely with them to continually add features and things that they would want in there. Um, so it was really nice because I didn't have to spend too much time up front to create everything that I thought should be in a membership site. But I could create you know, something obviously worth paying for and something of value that I can get them in there and then work with them and have them feel special like they are a part of the evolution of this and that they have a say in where the course of the membership is going. Um, so that's the benefit to them getting in there early. And then I'm going to reopen that probably sometime next year for the public. Um, but, but that's, that's, you know, I'm sort of diving in and getting into that space now soon. I, I find it very interesting the, the way you talk about this, that we're now recording this in November and you say, well, yeah, I'm working on this membership site. I started it in July. So that's what, four months, five months already. And it's going to take time. You say, well, maybe next year I'll, I'll be able to open it up. So you really are taking a very long-term learn and tweak, learn, learn from what's working, tweak what's not working, and then try to improve and iterate. But it's not the thing that you're doing day by day or week to week necessarily. You're looking at it as you said before, it's sort of a long game so that you can make it as good as possible. And that's yeah, yeah. radically different than the sort of attitude people have about internet marketing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long-term approach. I mean, I could go faster if it was the only thing I was paying, if I, I had energy for, but I have all these other things. And again, I'm in a unique position where I have all these other businesses running. And yes, most of them are automated at this point, but there's a lot of things I am focusing on. And, you know, it's the holiday season now. I got two kids and, and you know, I, I could easily burn myself out on internet business whilst forgetting about my family. But the family is the most important thing to me. So I always make sure I spend my time with them um, as much as possible. That's really cool. I, I really am trying to do the same thing for this holiday season, but lots of work's coming my way and it's been hard to uh, to, to deal with all of that. It's tough. It's a balancing act. And, and, and the, the interesting thing is people talk about 
you know, every, everybody talks about this work-life balancing um, as, as if we have to get it to the point. You know, if you imagine a balance, you know, left side and right side, you know, there's only one moment when it's perfectly balanced and that's so hard to get and if you try to just be perfectly balanced the whole time it's never going to happen really what it's about is making those things on either side you know similar so that you can sort of move back and forth but not go way too much on one side or way too much on the other side but you know a lot of people try to get to that perfect balance and that there really isn't ever a perfect balance balance but there's a perfect way to adjust there's a perfect way to adapt and i think really as an entrepreneur you know adaptation is is one of the most important qualities being able to you know react properly and also balance you know their life in a way where they can spend time with their family but then they're on the work side and they're spending time with work too it's it's a tough it's a it's a it's a really really tough thing and 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 um you know i know a lot of people tackle the idea of you know efficiency and productivity and stuff and and i i almost have this sort of feeling like you know for what you know a lot of people become more productive to do even more of that when i feel that you know i i have to be i have to be incredibly efficient and productive because i don't have very much i don't give myself much time to work i have you know a few hours every day to work even though i could work more but what's important to me is to be able to spend time with my family so in order to get more work done i have to be incredibly efficient and you know i sort of like have been discovering hacks along the way for for myself to see how i can become more efficient and things like that down to the you know how fast can i reply to emails or type certain things you know that's you know all those seconds you know, this is what I do. And all those seconds over time add up. You know, I'm actually starting to, you know, come up with a concept for, for a traditional book that talks a lot about that. You know, there's a lot of great productivity books, but they forget about why we're be- being so productive. And, and, and it'll come from a very sort of family point of view. So um, that the, just a little insider information for you guys. <laughs> that would be great. I love learning those little hacks, um, especially as somebody who, like, I travel a lot and I have a really hard time doing things answering email on a regular basis like i try little tricks with myself all the time to try and make it less painful <laughs> yeah and it's fun to experiment You're like wow that actually worked or okay this worked for that one person but totally not going to work for me so i mean for email specifically i mean email is a drain for a lot of people including myself and i get a lot of emails a day so i i've taken tips from tim ferris to you know batch answer emails you know you you can you can get more emails or get through more emails if you actually schedule time to answer those emails instead of answering each individually one by one and then transitioning between email and your work and then going back to email you know if you batch process your emails you're going to get them done much faster and also i use tools like google canned responses or text expander for mac where you know a lot of people ask me the same question i'll write down an answer beforehand for that particular question and i'll just type a couple hot keys on my on my keyboard and boom done i got through that email in 10 seconds that would normally take me two minutes and again those small minutes add up for sure all right well do you guys have any other questions for Pat? I don't think so. Uh, no, no, no. But this has been really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I definitely learned a lot and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. We're going to go to the part of the show where we do our picks and then we'll uh, wrap up the show. Reuven, do you want to start us with picks? Sure. And it's going to be really brief. I actually don't have any picks for this week. All right, Ash, what I- about you? Sure. So I have two that are both on the same subject. Um, I've been doing a lot more reading lately about imposter syndrome, which is uh, the inability to internalize achievements that you've accomplished, even when you have basically proof that shows otherwise. So there are two different links that relate to that. One of them is a really great um, answer on Quora, um, which is about kind of like what imposter syndrome is and how we can overcome it. And then the other one is a 
talk that was recently done in Nickel City Ruby about imposter syndrome that's really great that I think a lot of people should watch. I think a lot of people um, suffer from, from imposter syndrome and, and we kind of uh, guilt ourselves and put a lot more weight and, and stress on ourselves, not realizing it that it's a thing that we can overcome. So those are my two. Awesome. I'll go ahead and jump in with some picks. Um, my first pick, I went and saw the Doctor Who 50th anniversary yesterday on the big screen in 3D, and it was awesome. So just throwing that out there. Um, I've also been listening to a book. It was recommended to me by Eric, and uh, that book is Duct Tape Marketing by Jim Janch. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, um, it's a really great book. It kind of pointed out some of the things that I realized that I did, some things that I can improve on um, as far as marketing and sales relate to my freelancing business. So just really, really awesome book. Um, and that's all I've got. Uh, Pat, what are your picks? Uh, well, I have a couple. I'm actually deep into this book right now by Gary Vaynerchuk called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And it talks about you know how to tell your story in in a noisy social world. So it's actually it's actually really really good. Um, you know I've read Gary's books before. Crush It was a big inspiration for me. But this is a very tactical book that shows images and things of of, of different companies, companies that we all know using social media and and doing it right and and a lot of them doing it wrong and how we can sort of incorporate these lessons into our own business and into our own personal brands, which I think is really good. And there's a, there's another one. Um, you know, completely separate topic that um, I've been really enjoying, and that's this app called Lyft. And and um, I think I saw it in another podcast you guys did with Leslie too. And I and I just have to reiterate how much that has made an impact on me as a person to create these habits that will allow me to live the life I want to live. And um, so Lyft, Lyft is a great one. I actually had Tony. Uh, Stubblebean on my podcast and he's a great guy. He's, he really cares a lot about helping people achieve these goals in life through habit creation. And uh, so Lyft is definitely a big one if you, if you haven't picked it up yet. Awesome. I, I keep hearing about Lyft. I need to go check it out. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks for coming, Pat. Really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll catch you all next week.